This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Tonight I want to talk to you. If I were titling this message, it would be, it would be strength and courage. But really, what I want to talk to you about is the power of meditating on the Word of God. And I want to use the story of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read the first nine verses, and then we're going to talk about this powerful passage in the Word of God and how it applies to us and what it can teach us. I believe that every time we read the Word of God, we should read it listening for what God wants to teach us from His Word. So let's read it together in, in the book of Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, and he said, Moses, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place, what a promise this is, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that great? So be strong and of good courage. For, the, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I know that was a long passage, but wasn't it good? I think it's interesting that God said to Joshua, Moses is dead. Uh, and this has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm teaching you, but I just thought it's a little insight you might want to think about. Actually, Moses went up on the mountain. The Lord said, go up on the mountain. And he went up on the mountain and he died and God buried him. So as far as Joshua was concerned, he may not have known where Moses was. Maybe Moses had just gone up. But what, you know, Moses once went up and was gone for, what, 40 days while he got the Ten Commandments? So he had been known to go up on the mountain and disappear with God before. But God said, no, I want you to know, Joshua, Moses is dead. And now you're going to be the leader. He had been Moses' assistant for a long period of time. Actually, they'd been roaming around in the wilderness for 40 years. That is a long time to roam around in the wilderness. And Joshua and his friend Caleb had been two of the 12 spies that originally went in to spy out the land. They were the only two that brought back a good report. All the rest of them brought back a bad report. The result of the people murmuring and not believing what God had promised them was that they had to go back out into the wilderness until that entire generation died. And then the next generation could possess it. But Joshua and Caleb 
survived that. They were 80 years old when they came back. Caleb said to Joshua later on in the book, he said, I am 80 years old, but I'm as strong now as I was when we went in to spy out this land, and I want to take this mountain, and he did at 80 years old. So that's just a little background, but what I want to talk to you about is what God said to him. I want you to notice that three times in this passage, God told him to be strong and to be of a good courage three times. So he must have known. He wanted Joshua to get that message. I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous because God knew that Joshua was going to face some difficult days ahead. He knew there would be times when he would feel like we can't do this. Think about how he must have felt when they came up against Jericho. And then here was a walled city. There's just so many things that happened that he could have gotten discouraged. So God said, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. It's very important. So I want to define courage for you. You know, uh, we have to be strong and courageous too. This is a time in our lifetime when we have to be strong and courageous. But what does it mean to be courageous? If you're in the armed forces, you know what it means to be courageous. Actually, let me just read you some of the definitions I found of courage. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Another word that is a synonym with courage is bravery. Brave people. It doesn't mean that they're not afraid, but they're brave. They do it anyway. Here's a little bit more. Courage is mental and moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So he's saying, you know, you're going to face danger. You're going to face some fearful things. You're going to face some difficulty. And you're going to need to be very strong. And you're going to need to be courageous. Not just physical strength, but you need moral strength. And you need mental strength. You need to be courageous. Now, here's his promise. If we went back and over this verse by verse, we would discover that God made several outstanding promises to Joshua in that passage. One, he said, I will be with you. That's a really good reason to be strong and courageous, isn't it? If I know God is with me, if I know that when the enemy comes at me, standing behind me, he can see the God who created the heavens and the earth, I'm not nearly as afraid as I would be if I were alone. So he said, I'm going to be with you. Then he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God said that to us lots of times because he wants us to know that. When God says something once in the Bible, it's important. When you read it twice in the Bible, it's even more important. And things that he says over and over and over and over in the Bible, he says, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. And then he said, you're going to conquer this land. I just want you to know there are going to be times when you doubt it. There are going to be times when it doesn't look like it, but you win. I want you to know you're going to conquer this land. So God had a part, and his part was to make the promise, but then Joshua also had a part. And Joshua's part was to be strong and very courageous. But I think it's gracious of God that he didn't just say be strong and courageous and didn't tell him how to do it. He told him how to do it. He also told him the purpose for his strength. The purpose for his strength was so that he would be enabled to observe and to do what the law of Moses required him to do in order to possess the promise. Uh, You know, I wish that God would just open the windows of heaven and just pour on me everything I ever wanted and I wouldn't have to do anything. But, but is a conjunction. The little word but is a conjunction. And there's another conjunction that we see all through the Bible, if. 
Well, Lord, why? Why do I have to do something? You're God. Just do it. No, he wants to, he wants to grow us up. He wants to make us strong. He's equipping us to rule and reign throughout eternity. Did you know that? This little time on earth is a training period where God is training us and equipping us to live for an eternity with him to rule and reign forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he doesn't want a bunch of wimps. He wants us to grow up and be strong and to be equipped. And so he told, he told Joshua, I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. And this is how you do it. Listen to what he said. He, several things he said. First of all, his specific instructions. I want you to continually speak the word of God. He said, this word of the law, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Now, we have to watch what's coming out of our mouth. Did you know that? In every circumstance of your life, you really have to watch what's coming out of your life, out of your mouth, because what's coming out of your mouth will direct the course of your life. What you think and what you say will actually direct the course of your life. So if you're negative, if you're always speaking the problem, if you're always being hateful and mean, well, don't expect God's blessing in your life. No, you've got to get the word of God in your mouth. You've got to get your mouth full of praise. You've got to get your mouth full of promise so that God can give you power from the words that you speak. And that's what he said. The second thing he told him, and this is the thing I really want to get into tonight. He said, I want you to meditate. You shall meditate on the law of Moses. That, was, that would be Genesis through oh, the law of Moses. We could say the Old Testament. He had the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. But all of the law that God had given Moses, and it wasn't just the Ten Commandments, y'all. It, it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that's all that he had to meditate on. So he was to meditate on that. Meditate on this law. How, how often was he to meditate? Once a week? Once a week I want you to meditate on this law. No, no, that's not what he said. I want you to meditate on this law day and night. Every day and every night. I want you to think about, meditate on this law. I'm going to talk about what that means. And then he said, then I want you to obey it. I want you to do what it says. He says, if you will read it, and if you will meditate on the Word of God, then you will be able to observe to do what it says. Have you ever found yourself weak and unable to live the way you wanted to live? You wanted to do what was right. You wanted to please God. You wanted to, you wanted to be strong. <clears throat> Pardon me. You wanted to be strong, but you were just, I'm just so weak. Well, if you will learn to get the Word in your mouth, get the Word in your heart, and meditate on the word, you will find that you won't be weak anymore. You'll be strong. It'll make you strong. If you do this, now listen to what I said. I love this, this last line. Then you will make your way prosperous. He didn't say, then I will make your way prosperous. He said, you will make your way prosperous. If you will read the word, get the word in your mouth, meditate on the word of God, then you will become prosperous and you will have success. So what does it mean to meditate on the Word of God. What does it mean to meditate on the Word of God? We encourage you to read the Word. I encourage, always encourage you to try to read the Word of God through every year because it's so powerful and it's good for you. But really, you know, when we're reading the Word through, we read a chapter in the New Testament, a chapter in the Old Testament, a proverb, and a psalm. And that takes a while. But you can't meditate on all of that. No, you have to find a piece of Scripture to meditate on. So let, let's talk about, let me give you some definitions for meditation. To meditate means to think deeply and personally about a scripture. It means you think about that scripture. 
you, you roll that scripture. Actually, the word meditate means to roll over and over and over and over in your mind. My friend Marilyn Hickey says it has to do with memorization. And that's true because when you roll it over and over and over and over in your mind, it will get down in your spirit and suddenly you'll be able to quote that whole thing. So it's very powerful for you to meditate on the scripture. It also means to read it over and over, to absorb it, to let it become a part of you, to believe it, to obey it, to apply it to your life. That's what it means to meditate. Do I need to go over that again? Some of you that are taking notes, let me go over it again. To meditate is to think deeply and personally about the scripture, to read it over and over to absorb it into your mind and into your spirit, to believe it, to obey it, and to apply it to your life. That's powerful. There's a scripture in Proverbs 3, verses 4 and 5. I don't have it in my notes, guys, so don't panic that you don't have it down there. But I, was, I wanted to, to illustrate to you the power of meditation. A little over a year ago, I think, in our staff prayer, uh, Joy gave us this scripture. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, when she first gave that to us, a lot of us already knew that verse, but she said, I want us to meditate as a staff on this verse. So she said, what I want you to do is I just want you to just read that over and over. I'm going to time you. And I think the first time was three or four minutes. Have you ever tried to just say the same verse over and over for three or five minutes? It seemed like an hour. It's sort of like the first time I said, I'm going to pray for an hour. And I set myself down, knelt down to pray for an hour. This was 100 years ago when I was very young. And, and I knelt down to pray for an hour. And I prayed for everybody I knew and everything I knew. And every, I just prayed and prayed. And I thought, oh, wow, it's got to be more than an hour. And I looked up and I'd prayed for 10 minutes. Oh, it was really difficult. It's not difficult now. It's easy for me to pray for an hour now. But that was when I was just learning to pray. And that's the way it is when you just start to meditate. You think, oh, can I think about this same scripture? But let me tell you what happened to that scripture. We said it over and over every week when we came to, to our staff prayer. We would meditate on this scripture. There are some employees here that could tell you stories about this. And, but what happened was that got down in our spirit. We, we mulled over it. We got it in our mind. We got it in our spirit. We began to understand what it was saying. And as we understood what it was saying, we began to apply it to our lives. And then as we went through those months and are still going through months and times in our life where we hit temptation, where we hit difficulty, that scripture would well up inside of us because we'd been thinking about that scripture, because we'd been speaking that scripture, because we'd been applying that scripture. And all of a sudden, when the enemy would try to dis discourage us or destroy us, we'd just say out loud, we'd get it in our mouth, oh no, I trust in you, Lord, with all my heart. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding and try to figure this out. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, and I know you're directing my path. And you know what happened? We began to get testimonies in our group, in our staff, of God doing miraculous things for us because we had meditated on that little verse. You see, it's difficult to meditate on a whole chapter, but it's not difficult to meditate on a verse. One of the things that I meditate on is Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Every night when I go to bed, I pray that scripture. 
every night. Well, not every night, but almost every night. I'm, I won't say every night because I couldn't miss one. But almost every night, and I pray it personally. You are my, Lord, you are my shepherd. You've given me everything I need. You've made me lie down in green pastures. You've led me by still waters. Today and every day you restore my soul. Do you need your soul restored? You might want to begin to meditate on Psalms 23. Because it has the power to actually restore your soul. It is the word of God. And it is powerful. Let's look at another scripture. Because there are actually three I want to look at tonight. I want to look at Psalms chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, because this particular psalm gives you what happens when you learn to meditate on the Word. Let's read it together. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man. By the way, this is the first chapter I ever memorized as a child. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates, there's that word, day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Isn't that powerful? Now, let's just analyze that chapter because I want to show you how to meditate, how to think about a scripture. This is a little short chapter, so you could meditate on this whole chapter. First thing I want to point out is there are three lifestyle choices that will guarantee blessings in your life. This chapter gives you three lifestyle choices. The first one is never seek counsel from the ungodly. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you need advice, you need to go to somebody who can hear from God with you and can lead you along the pathway of life. Don't go to somebody who doesn't know the Lord. No, no, you don't want to get counsel from the ungodly. They will not lead you toward the Lord. That's wisdom to not get counsel from the ungodly. The second lifestyle choice is, is that you never form deep relationships with ungodly people. Now, I say deep relationships because I believe that we are called to minister life to people who don't know the Lord. And you can't minister life to somebody that you don't speak to. So, so there, I have many casual acquaintances that don't know the Lord. But all of my close friends, all of my close friends are born-again believers. If they weren't when they met me, I won't leave them alone. I have a friend. I wish that, you know, she is the most wonderful. Her name is Ramona Yager. She's the most wonderful soul winner I have ever met. Ramona is beautiful. She's in her 80s now, but she is beautiful. She was Miss Louisiana when she was young, and she has never met a person that she did not introduce to the Lord Jesus Christ. When she walks into the bank to the teller, she will say, did you know God has a plan for your life? Really? But she is so precious, and I, I want to grow up and be like her. I want everybody that I meet to discover that I know the God of the universe, and they can know him too. But my close friends, God wants me to be sure my close friends, those people I confide in, those people I spend lots of time with are believers. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, and, and, nor, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now listen, this is something we as believers have to be careful of. We can be scornful. 
We can be negative. We can be hateful. I know you don't believe that's true, but it is true. I know Christians who, and they are believers, but they are scornful. We need to step back and begin to pray for people rather than criticize. We need to really, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because that's the third scripture I want to talk about is one along those lines. But those are three lifestyle choices. You, you know, you have to catch yourself. I remember when the Lord spoke to me one time that I had to apologize to my daughter. She was just a little girl. And I had to apologize to my daughter because I had, I had not been kind to her. And I had to apologize. I was wrong. There are times I've had, I hate to admit this in front of him because he's sitting right over there. But there are times I've had to apologize to Art. You know, he's, I, I have to say this about my husband. I tell you, most of you know this. You've heard me say it before. I've been married to the same man 56 years. For 56 years, I lose track of time. Time means nothing to me. But we've been married for 56 years. He has never raised his voice to me. Is that amazing? Now, I'm not saying he's never been angry with me. But my husband is a gentle, kind man. Have I raised my voice to him? Oh, God, forgive me, I have. But what I'm saying to you is that we need to, we need to practice controlling our mouth, controlling our words, speaking love. You know, it takes two to make an argument. And the Bible says a gentle answer will turn away wrath. Did you know the Bible says that? It's not always easy, is it? Oh, that was totally off subject. And then the, then the same Psalms chapter 1 gives us three, three blessings, results of your learning to meditate on the word. Here they are. The first one is stability. You will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree planted by the rivers of water. One translation, I believe it's the Amplified Bible, says a tree planted by the waters whose roots go way down deep. And when a tree's roots go way down deep, that tree is stable. You will become stable. If you're not stable in your Christian walk, if you're up and down and in and out and struggling, you need to learn to meditate on the Word of God because it will make you stable. And God wants you to be stable. Secondly, it, you will be constantly watered by the Word. The Word of God will water you. It said you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Listen to the next one. Who brings forth his fruit in his season. Whatever season of life you're in, you will be fruitful in that season if you will learn to meditate. Isn't that wonderful? I want to be fruitful. I don't care how old I am. I want to continue to bring forth fruit in my old age. And, and I'm going to live to be really old. So I'm going to bring forth fruit because I'm going to stay planted in the Lord, planted by the rivers of water, and I'm going to drink from the water of the word. Here's the fourth one. His leaf shall not wither. You know what that is? That's health, y'all. You'll be strong and healthy because you'll know what the word says about healing. And you won't question what the Word says about healing. You'll embrace the power of the Word for healing, and you'll walk in health. And finally, prosperity, whatever you do, will prosper. That is wonderful, isn't it? Now, let's go back to Joshua for a minute. Joshua had all those promises. God told him what to do, that he was to meditate on the Word, that he was to keep the Word in his mouth, that he was, that he was to do the Word. What if he had not done it? What if he had just said, no, I'm not the one? You'll have to find somebody else. I'm not going to do it. What if? What if Joshua had said no? 
would the Bible have been different? Would we have read it differently? Maybe it would have been, then the Lord spoke to Caleb. Because Caleb also was one of those guys that brought back a good report. God always has someone, but I want the someone to be me. How about you? I want God to speak to me. How about you? I want God to bless me. When God says, if you'll do this, I'll bless you. I want to be the one that says, here I am, Lord. I'll do it. I'll obey you. I'll bless you. Now, the, the last scripture I want to talk to you about is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is, a, this is a verse we talk about a lot. This is a verse we encourage each other about. Recently, with whatever's going on in our world, this is a verse that we've talked about. So let's read it together. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. I want you to notice that little word, if, if, my people, if, my people. Now, I want us to meditate on this verse together tonight because this is a very, very powerful verse. Now, we have a part to, to pray, to play. First of all, he says, if, my people. So here's my question. Who are God's people? Anybody here that would be considered God's people? If you are one of God's people, raise your hand. Okay. But you know, a lot of times when we read this and we say, if God's people, we don't apply it to ourselves. We think, well, it's the church in general. No, this isn't talking to the church in general. This is talking to you, y'all. It's talking to you. It's talking to you. It's talking to you. You are God's people. Say, I am God's people. So this is for you. That's the first thing in meditating you have to realize. Is this for me? Well, listen, he doesn't leave any doubt. He says, my people. If you're born again, you're his people. You belong to God, and he has something for you to do. If my people. Now, I want us to look at the four things, the four requirements. There are four requirements here. It isn't just, oh, Lord, you said that if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from the wicked, then would you hear? We just sort of over what we're supposed to do and tell God what he's supposed to do. But we must do what we're supposed to do. So what are we supposed to do? Here's the first thing. Humble ourselves. Well, he could have just left that out, couldn't he? That's, that's a lot more difficult than it looks to humble ourselves. What does it mean to humble ourselves? Well, it means to be respectful. It means to be submissive. It means to have a modest opinion of yourself. To bow before. Really, when we talk about humbling ourselves, I think about, if we think about ancient monarchs, that when anybody came in their presence, they came in bowing like this and even going out. They backed out. They, didn't turn, they never turned their back on the monarch, on the king. And we should have the same reverence for God. Reverence from God is not about a building. Reverence from God is about a relationship. And he's saying, I want you to humble yourself from me, before me. I want you to worship me. And I want you to have a, a practical, good opinion of your value and your importance. In uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, I like this scripture. And I like this scripture in the Amplified Bible. Let's put that up. In Romans chapter, did you get that one? If you didn't, I'll just quote it. He may not have gotten that one. 
This is Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is what he says. By the grace and merited favor of God given to me, I warn, I warn everyone among you not to estimate or think of himself more highly than he ought to, not to get an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to think soberly according as to the degree of faith that God has given us. So he wants us to get serious, to get humble, to get reverent. We really need to work on the reverential fear of God. We really do. All of us do. I do. We all need to. We don't need to be so casual in God's presence. We need to recognize, we need to be in awe of God. When we stand under the worship team and we begin to worship God, we need to let that worship music bring us into God's presence. I think of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He said, I went into the temple and I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And when he saw the Lord, when he came into God's presence, this is what he said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. He immediately bowed low before God. He immediately acknowledged we need to get humble, and we need to pray. And that is not a sweet little, now I'll lay me down to sleep prayer. God wants us to seriously set aside a time to pray and seek his face concerning our nation, concerning our world, concerning the kingdom of God. God desires that every person on the face of the earth be saved. And he's waiting for us to work with him to bring that kingdom to the earth. We need to pray and we need to seek his face. What does it mean to seek his face? It actually means to seek the presence of God. Not just in church. Seek his presence at home. Get quiet and seek the presence of God. Seek the presence of God. And here's the fourth one. Turn from our wicked ways. Yes, we have wicked ways. We have weaknesses. We have sins. David prayed this in Psalms 139, verse 23. He said, search me, Father God. Search me. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Our heart, our emotion, our mind, sins. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Once the Lord begins to reveal our weaknesses. Now, I'm talking about the Lord healing our land. It's not just, Lord, please heal our land. It's, Lord, I humble myself before you. I lay myself, I seek your face. I want to be in your presence. I want to turn from any weakness in my life. Show me so that I can repent. To repent means to turn away from, toward. God is wanting us to turn away from our weaknesses, to turn away from our stubbornness, to turn away from our anger, and to turn toward him. And when he does, he says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful, I'm just, I will forgive you your sin, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. So when we've done our part, then God will do his part. And this is his part. I will hear you. If you will humble yourself, really humble yourself when you pray. If you will pray and seek my face, if you will let the Holy Spirit point out your weakness, and if you will repent, then I will hear you. And when I hear you, I will forgive you. He's going to forgive us. And I will heal your land. All that we as individuals would understand, this is not about a church, a whole church. This is about you as an individual. This is about me as an individual. Let God search our hearts let God heal our land. Bow your heads. Is there anybody here and you would say, or maybe watching, and you would say, 
I, I need the Lord. I'm, I'm not even sure I'm born again. I need the Lord in my life. Would you pray for me? Anybody here like that? I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here like that, if you're watching, I want to lead you in a little prayer. This little prayer can change your destiny, change your eternity. Everybody pray it with me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, Father, teach us to meditate on your word. Let us take this scripture in Chronicles. Let us meditate on this scripture. Oh, Lord, teach us to seek your face. Teach us to pray. Teach us to humble ourselves. Search our hearts. Show us any weakness and sin so that we can call out to you. We can repent and you can heal our land. Oh, Father, use us to bring your kingdom to the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.